Well, thank you very much. You are listening to The Jazz Focus here on WETF, South Bend, Indiana, The Jazz Station. My name is John Clark, and thank you very much for joining us again, or for the first time, if uh, this is your maiden voyage into The Jazz Focus. Well, today we're going to be uh, focusing on a small group from the late 1940s, actually about 1950 to 51 is when this group was around. And it's an unusual group in that it was led by Count Basie, and he did not lead many small groups. But by the end of the 1940s, the handwriting was on the wall. In fact, it was more than on the wall uh, for the demise of the big band era. Most of the big bands had kind of thrown in the towel by about 1947 or 48. But Basie soldiered on uh, up till about, oh, the beginning of 1950, his last recording session with a big band for that period, for his contract with RCA Victor was, I believe, at the beginning of 1950. So he decided, or it was decided for him by his management, that he should go out with a small group. And he tried a couple of different things. He did a recording session with several of his uh, erstwhile big band players, Harry Edison, Dickie Wells, uh, Gene Ammons was in that band, and then the rhythm section. Uh, They made a recording date in February of 1950, but uh, it was more of almost a rhythm and blues type of sound and uh, didn't quite work for Basie, apparently. So he put together an octet. Uh, that started recording in May of 1950. And we heard two tunes from that uh, first recording session. Neil's Deal, which was co-composed by Basie and Neil Hefty. Neil Hefty was um, one of Basie's arrangers in his big band that had just broken up, and uh, he arranged a number of things for this small group as well. We also heard You're My Baby, You, which was a kind of a pop tune of the day by Astor and Williams. It was a minor key thing. Reminds me of another song from the same period called You're You're My Buddy's Chick, which Charlie Shavers used to sing with Tommy Dorsey's band. This had lyrics, but I played the instrumental take. Um, The vocal take was, uh, shall we say, not PC. So who was in this band? Count Basie and his octet. We had in the rhythm section, of course, Count Basie, his right-hand man, Freddie Green, on guitar, Jimmy Lewis on bass. Uh, He was a big band player who later went with Ellington and actually then went with King Curtis and did a lot of rhythm and blues and things like that after uh, leaving the jazz domain. And Buddy Rich was on drums. Buddy Rich had been leading a big band in the mid to late 40s, and uh, he was always happy to go play with Basie. He was one of Basie's favorite drummers. In the horn section, we have Clark Terry on trumpet, Buddy DeFranco on clarinet, Charlie Rouse on tenor sax, and Serge Chaloff on baritone sax. So we have a, a mixed group here, black and white. Uh, Buddy DeFranco had played clarinet and saxophone with the Tommy Dorsey band, um, I think with Milt Raskin and a couple of other groups. Uh, he was known as one of the very few bebop clarinet players. He was an outstanding clarinet player, as we heard on those two uh, tunes that we just listened to. Uh, Serge Chaloff on baritone sax had been with the Woody Herman Band. He'd played with uh, several other groups. Uh, he was known as a one of the few baritone sax players who could really negotiate uh, the bebop uh, style as well. Charlie Rouse on tenor sax had been with the Basie Band. Uh, He was uh, shortly to uh, begin his association with Thelonious Monk. He uh, had a very long-term association with Monk and the Monk Quartet. Clark Terry, of course, had been with Basie's big band, and he would spend a good deal of the mid to late 50s with Ellington before uh, becoming known as a primarily a band leader and a soloist on his own. So, as I said, we just heard Neil's Deal and You're My Baby You featured some fine piano as well as clarinet in both cases by Buddy DeFranco. Charlie Rouse was featured on You're My Baby You, and Neil's Deal had a baritone sax solo by Chaloff. 
This band was playing in New York uh, primarily uh, on the East Coast in the throughout 1950. They did make a trip out to Hollywood, and we're going to hear a couple of live tracks that I believe came uh, from their Hollywood stay. They made a uh, film uh, backing Billie Holiday, uh, although the band wasn't featured terribly well. Um, but most of their great recordings came on these studio dates in New York City. So we're going to uh, continue with that same recording date, which was, by the way, for Columbia on May 16th of 1950, with two more tunes, Golden Bullet and These Foolish Things. Actually, These Foolish Things comes from the next date after that, on November 2nd of 1950. So Golden Bullet has the same band that we just heard, uh, These Foolish Things and Song of the Islands and One O'Clock Jump uh, all come from November 2nd of 1950. Slightly different personnel. Charlie Rouse is replaced by Wardell Gray, uh, one of the great uh, unsung tenor players of the day in the uh, bebop style. Rudy Rutherford plays baritone sax. He had played uh, Barry with the Basie Band in the middle 1940s and also did some very fine clarinet work. And we also have Basie, Jimmy Lewis, uh, possibly Freddie Green, although he's not listed, and Gus Johnson on drums. So that's the uh, Basie Octet for November 2nd, 1950. So those are our four tunes. We're going to hear Golden Bullets, These Foolish Things, Song of the Islands, and Basie's theme song, One O'Clock Jump. Thank you. 
So, that was uh, a very nice recording of a very nice tune, Little White Lies, we ended up with. That was a Walter Donaldson tune. Walter Donaldson was one of the most uh, popular and effective song composers of the 20s and 30s. He did things like What Are You Waiting For, Mary, and My Blue Heaven, and Changes, things like that, that were kind of redolent of the 1920s, but he also did uh, tunes from the 1930s, like At, uh, After Sundown, and this tune, Little White Lies. And that was a beautiful feature, not only for Basie and a little bit for Clark Terry, but for Wardell Gray. Wardell Gray was uh, an interesting figure in jazz. He had come up during the swing era. He had played with Earl Hines' band and Benny Carter's band for a while. Uh, he was really uh, leaning towards bebop in the late 1940s. He had recorded with Charlie Parker. He had been hired in 1949 by uh, Benny Goodman. Benny Goodman had actually taken him out of the Count Basie Big Band uh, when Goodman had a very short-lived bebop type of group, very similar to the one we're listening to right now, the Basie group. And uh, Wardell Gray lasted a little while there. He didn't find Goodman a lot of fun to work with, which was not unusual. Uh, and then he ended up joining Basie when Basie put together this eight-piece band, and he was very heavily featured on these sides. And Just a beautiful uh, version of Little White Lies there. We started out with Golden Bullet, which uh, was a tune that was composed by Basie and uh, Ebbins, and it featured uh, solos all around, actually trades between the baritone sax uh, by uh, Serge Shaloff, Buddy DeFranco on clarinet, Clark Terry on trumpet, and Charlie Rouse on tenor sax. That was the first session, and they traded back and forth. Then we went to the November session and heard These Foolish Things, the great uh, ballad uh, by British composers Marvel, Strecci, and Link, and they are not well-known composers. That was probably the only tune I think that they composed that has stayed in the repertoire. That was a feature for Basie. He was sort of almost playing as if it were a hotel band, a very polite um, you know, hotel lobby type of group there, but then it opened up when the ensemble came in at the midpoint. From that point, we went to Song of the Islands, and that was a tune that Basie had done in the 30s to feature his singer, Helen Humes. Helen Humes actually guested with this group on a couple of dates. We're not going to hear any of those tunes, but uh, they weren't really features for the band. They were sort of just the rhythm section and Helen along with a soloist or two, so we're going to leave those off and concentrate on the ensemble. Song of the Islands featured Wardell Gray and Clark Terry and Buddy DeFranco again on clarinet. And then we went to One O'Clock Jump. As I said, that was Basie's theme song. A little bit about Basie. Uh, most, of, most of you know a little bit about Count Basie, but he was born in 1904 in Red Bank, New Jersey. He grew up uh, playing jazz and blues piano. He was influenced early on by the stride pianists like Fats Waller. Fats Waller was a friend of his when he was young. And he uh, got the touring bug very early, and he went out and toured the Midwest and different places and came back to New York a few times. But he ended up in the late 1920s in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and then in Kansas City. City, where he started playing with some of the Southwest bands, like Walter Page's Blue Devils, who uh, 
had him for his first recording in about 1927. And then by about 1929, many of the Blue Devils joined Benny Moten's Kansas City Band. And Basie was effectively the second piano player. Uh, Moten was uh, the main piano player, although gradually he started giving Basie most of the jazz work because he was a more up-to-date player. Basie at the time was playing stride piano in the style of Fats Waller and James P. Johnson, um, and he recorded frequently with Moten in 1929-30, and especially in 1932, the wonderful uh, sessions that they did in New Jersey for RCA Victor, which was one of the beginning sessions of the swing era. Uh, after Moten died in 1933, I believe it was, Basie kind of took over the band in an indirect fashion. Some of the players joined him at the Reno Club in Kansas City, and he put together um, a style of sort of a, a bluesy jump uh, jazz band with three uh, reeds, three brass, and three rhythm. And that was the name of the band, what he called it, the 3-3-3 three, three, and three band. And at some point in about 1935, John Hammond, the jazz uh, entrepreneur and businessman and record producer, heard uh, a broadcast of that band uh, on the radio and sought them out and ended up having Basie come east to play first in Pittsburgh at the Hotel William Penn, I think, and uh, then later on in New York at the Chatterbox and different places where Basie filled out the uh, band to standard uh, dimensions and added some great players like... Uh, uh, Lester Young, who had been with him in Kansas City, but Buck Clayton, Freddie Green, and uh, some of the players who really uh, made that first Count Basie band the, uh, the group that it was and the uh, group that was so influential on jazz. So as I said, that band sort of hung together until about 1949-1950, and then we have this octet. So this is a group that certainly has a lot of swing elements to it. It has some of the repertoire. It certainly has Basie in the rhythm section. But uh, the horn players were a little more forward-looking in the sense of uh, being bebop players. They were all younger than Basie and the musicians that he had been using in his big band, and they brought that outlook of... Uh, uh, late period swing and bebop to the fore, and some of these arrangements that we're hearing uh, really are, are, are very boppish type of lines. We're going to hear two tunes right now that came from a live date, or maybe live dates. I'm not sure exactly when they were recorded. I think it was in 1951 in Hollywood. Um, the first one is a tune by a drummer, Denzel Best, and it is called Move, and it was a, a modern jazz or a bebop standard. And this features probably about the same band, with the exception of uh, Buddy DeFranco was not there. Why? This was in Hollywood, as I said, and they were playing uh, in that movie with Billie Holiday, and it was still a little bit early to have a mixed band on screen. So uh, Basie had to substitute an African-American clarinet player, in this case Marshall Royal, who had been a West Coast musician. He played briefly with Duke Ellington. He played with uh, Lionel Hampton's band for quite a while. He was a very, very good clarinet player at this stage of the game and also an exceptional alto player. And when Basie reformed his big band the next year, Marshall Royal was his lead alto player and stayed uh, with him for many years thereafter. So, other than that, it's basically the same band, with Gus Johnson and Jimmy Lewis, Freddie Green, Count Basie, Wardell Gray, and Clark Terry. So, we'll hear a different clarinet, but uh, a more swingy clarinet, but a very good one nonetheless, on this tune, Move, followed by a tune called Phalanges, which uh, I don't know anything about, but this is a live version that has some bebop elements as well. So, those two tunes... Then we're going to uh, actually jump to the next Columbia studio session on November 3rd of 1950, and we're going to hear two tunes from that. We're going to hear I Ain't Got Nobody, 
which was a Basie favorite from the 1930s, back to the 1930s, and Tootsie, which is a, an instrumental version of the vocal tune Boogie Woogie that Basie had recorded a couple of times in the 1930s with Jimmy Rushing. And we'll hear the uh, soloist as well. By that point, we will have Buddy DeFranco back again. So those are our four tunes coming up. Move, Phalanges, I Ain't Got Nobody, and Tootsie. Thank you. 
So another little extra for you right there. That was uh, I'm Confessing That I Love You, another Count Basie specialty back to the 1930s. And that featured a nice dance arrangement by the octet and featured all the horns, including a very short baritone sax solo by Rudy Rutherford. Um, but mostly Count Basie in through there. We started out with two live tracks, Move and Phalanges, which I believe came from Hollywood in 1951, uh, featuring, in that case, Marshall Royal on clarinet, a really fine clarinet player. He was an outstanding lead alto player, too, very much prized for his uh, lead playing in, in uh, saxophone sections from the 1950s up until he passed away, I think, in about 1990. Um, in addition to that, of course, we had uh, Clark Terry and Wardell Gray both featured as well. And interesting, there was no baritone sax in that group, so perhaps that was just added for the studio tracks, which, as I said, were done for Columbia. Then we heard I Ain't Got Nobody and Tootsie, both of those from November 3rd of 1950 and featuring, again, Buddy DeFranco, uh, but a lot of Count Basie in there as well and some fantastic Wardell Gray on Tootsie. As I said, that was kind of a takeoff on the uh, Basie 30s chart of Boogie Woogie that featured Jimmy Rushing on vocals. Here it was just an instrumental. So this group lasted, as I said, through 1950 and into 51 uh, for a short period in the spring and summer of 1951. Basie was actually kind of alternating between big band and uh, octet or septet uh, performances and recordings. Uh, clearly they had uh, some jobs on the books for the small group, but he was uh, dead set about uh, getting his big band back together again. And his first big band recording was for Columbia in, in April of 1951. It had some of the uh, old hands on there, including some of the fellows in this band that we're listening to. Clark Terry was on there. Uh, Leon, or Booty Wood was on trombone, Marshall Royal was uh, playing alto and clarinet, Wardell Gray and Lucky Thompson were both on tenors, and then of course Basie Green and Gus Johnson, um, and I believe uh, Jimmy Lewis as well on bass. And that band morphed after about a year or two into the band that uh, was called the New Testament Band uh, that featured a lot of the arrangements of uh, Frank Foster and Frank West, who joined up a little later and uh, started recording for Mercury and Verve Records. And uh, at that point, the octet was a thing of the past. But for a couple of years, it made some really superb recordings, as we've been hearing today. 
So we have two more that we're going to play as part of our little tribute to uh, this sort of hiccup in Count Basie's uh, big band career. Uh, he said he enjoyed playing with this group, but he was really a, a dyed-in-the-wool big band player, and uh, that's what he wanted to do, and that's what he ultimately did from 1952 up until he died in 1984, and his band is still going. Um, 36 years later, it's still touring and uh, still playing in basically the same style. So you are listening to WETF, South Bend, Indiana, the Jazz Station. My name is John Clark. Hope you're enjoying the Jazz Focus. We have lots of different types of programs coming up, old stuff, newer stuff, up through the bebop era, and maybe a little surprise here and there as well coming up. Uh, but we hope you've enjoyed Count Basie. And we're going to finish up with two tunes uh, that are by the octet. The first one is uh, called I'll Remember April, which was really uh, a popular tune with bebop musicians. Charlie Parker had one of his best recordings on uh, this particular tune by Ray DePaul and Johnson. This comes from that November 3rd, 1950 session and features, among others, Wardell Gray. He probably is the most impressive soloist on this tune, which has a nice, interesting beat to it, which is a little bit uh, different than we've been hearing so far. And then we're going to go back to the first session we heard, which was on May 16th of 1950, uh, and hear the one tune we didn't get to from there, which is called the Bluebeard Blues. That's another collaboration between Count Basie and Neil Hafty, and Neil Hafty arranged this. And we're going to hear uh, more from the rhythm section. The horns are, of course, playing on here, Clark Terry, Buddy DeFranco, Charlie Rouse, and Serge Chaloff. But the rhythm section of Count Basie, Freddie Green, Jimmy Lewis, and Buddy Rich are featured with solos by uh, Jimmy Lewis and Buddy Rich. Uh, as well as Basie. Freddie Green didn't solo too, too much, although I should have pointed out a while back on Little White Lies, he played some nice solo transition figures in there, which is about as close to a solo as he got at this stage of his career. He did some earlier solos on different jazz gigs and um, jazz recording dates, but after a while he just stuck to that straight rhythm playing. And the initial version of this octet was a septet without the guitar, but Basie realized that it just didn't sound the same without that guitar in the Count Basie rhythm section. So Freddie Green was engaged and he continued pretty much uninterrupted with the Basie Band from 1937 until 1987, I think he died, um, in early in 1987. The one time I get to hear the Count Basie Band, he had just uh, left. He hadn't passed away yet, but he was, I guess, sick and could not uh, appear at that point, so I never did get to hear Freddie Green. But he was certainly with that band for most of its existence. So, again, John Clark and the Jazz Focus, and we're going to lead you out here with I'll Remember April and Bluebeard Blues.
Thank you.